0: For the Climate Discussion Nexus, I'm John Robson, with the latest readout video from our Wednesday wake-up email newsletter, and the usual reminder to share our work, subscribe to it across the various platforms, and support it so we can keep bringing you cheery updates like this one. It seems a Canadian federal government poll found that young people are scared and depressed about climate, which is apparently an achievement. Because, you see, quote, more and more evidence is pointing to the urgency for climate action, Underscoring the need for communities to adapt to the changing climate and to prepare for the most challenging impacts of climate change. End quote. Even if the evidence that people should be scared out of their wits over global warming is just that they have been scared out of their wits over it. Very postmodern, or merely circular. Mind you, it's just a survey of 2008 people nationwide, so it's worth what you paid for it. But among its findings is that 68%, at least of that sample, say of climate change, quote, I am afraid of its impact on my community, end quote, which means 32% aren't. So the debate's not over, is it? That's a third of us. Then there's the fact that just over half, 52%, said, quote, I feel helpless, end quote, which isn't very healthy. And it's also a little hard to understand since governments claim they not only can save us from climate change, they already are saving us, so we are empowered in our helplessness. Or else, these polls are stupid. Speaking of stupid, British Environment Secretary Therese Coffey is supposedly in a pot of boiling water for having urged Britons to learn to like turnips instead of all the nicer food they can't afford anymore. As Zoe Wood chortled in The Guardian, With a love of turnips more commonly associated with the long-suffering manservant Baldrick in Blackadder, Coffey handed her critics the kind of material they could normally only dream of. Except the Guardian's in no position to chortle, since the cost of living crisis is due to precisely the kinds of energy policies that they have long pushed. When politicians and journalists of all stripes have been waging a relentless war on the affordable energy that brings a variety of fresh food from afar, and pushing the 100-mile diet, which in Britain in winter is pretty much limited to neeps and tatties, who's really to blame if Britons are back to the kind of culinary choices they had in the Middle Ages? Now, we're not big on Middle Ages bashing, but we're also not huge on peas, porridge, in a pot nine days old, although apparently it's basically split pea soup with ham and bad public relations. In any event, we'd certainly rather swallow it than the hypocrisy of people who spend most of their waking hours arguing for policies to impoverish the populace, then complain about the high cost of living including Wood noting that people are heckling coffee in all sorts of ways, including, quote, was a bounty of this unloved root vegetable part of the promised Brexit dividend, people asked, as they shared doctored images of campaign buses emblazoned with, forget tomatoes, let's eat turnips instead. But does Wood want them flying in fresh figs from Chile instead? Oh, our quick roundup of ongoing stories also includes that alternative energy is supposedly fast becoming cheaper than fossil fuels, and already did, yet Parker Gallant calculates that on February 19th alone, wind turbines in Ontario cranked out so much unneeded power that we ended up selling 69,000 megawatts to Michigan, New York, and Quebec at a loss of $9.62 million, meaning we paid $759 per megawatt hour for the 12,666 that we kept, as with Pierce, more savings like that, and we'll be bankrupt. Also, while environmentalists debate whether trees are good for the climate or are hideous carbon tubes, the Canadian government's plan to add $2 billion to the roughly $318 billion we already have, thus tweaking the delicate balance of nature decisively, still isn't working. They think they've managed to plant nearly 29 million trees, whereas forest companies harvest and replace a mere $600 million annually, while the remaining $318 billion drop seeds and grow new trees or do some weird plant thing like that. As for us, our big news is that CDN finally got fact-checked by a major legacy media outfit. USA Today predictably said we were spreading misinformation, since the point of fact-checks is to discredit anyone who questions left-wing dogma rather than to promote informed discussion. So, we've composed a reply suggesting that there's something fishy about their saying, quote, the claim, Post implies, falling sea level in Norway shows global sea levels aren't rising, end quote which is that they're apparently checking implications, not facts. Or worse, because they add, quote, some commenter suggested the situation in Oslo is evidence that global sea level rise isn't really happening, end quote. But surely random comment check isn't a feature of service to anyone. They also said, quote, the video was viewed more than 3,000 times in a month, end quote, when the real number was more than 30,000 times. But why quibble over actual data? Oh right, because you were performing a ritual casting out of the unclean, but you were calling it a fact-check to make it sound less slanted. As USA Today noted, Australian Associated Press also fact-checked us, and of course, also labelled our claim misleading, as in, quote, the claim is accurate in parts, but information has also been presented incorrectly, out of context, or omitted, end quote. We cannot help but be touched by all this attention, including their finding an image of, quote, Norwegians out enjoying the water on Oslo Harbor, end quote, when, presumably from their point of view, they should have been fleeing from it. But the accurate part is that we got our facts right. NOAA does report that sea level is falling there, as we said. AAP just thinks we shouldn't have said it, lest truth should lead people into error or, as they cutely put it, choppy waters. Well, let's venture into them anyway, because we're adults. We understand perfectly well that sea level rise is a complex interaction between changes in the land and the oceans. It's the alarmists who don't, and keep saying stuff like that the Maldives are going under, which, incidentally, USA Today or AAP might want to fact check in their spare time. USA Today also quoted a scientist in Denmark who, after explaining glacial isostatic adjustment, which is clearly a factor at Oslo and we never said it wasn't, added, quote, if the glacial isostatic adjustment is taken into account, sea levels are rising everywhere in Norway, including Oslo. This is due to man-made climate change, end quote. Oh really? Want to fact check that one? Want to fact check whether sea levels have been rising for 20,000 years, often much faster than today, and yet absent human action, they would suddenly have stopped doing it around 1850? Or was it not that kind of fact check? Thanks to an alert viewer, we also learned that the American federal government is planning to make evaluating carbon emissions central to every initiative it undertakes. According to a notice on regulations.gov, quote, the United States faces a profound climate crisis and there is little time left to avoid a dangerous, potentially catastrophic climate trajectory, end quote. It also says, quote, elevated concentrations of carbon dioxide will persist in the atmosphere for hundreds or thousands of years so the earth will continue to warm in the coming decades, end quote. To which we're tempted to reply, well, since resistance is futile, we might as well party like it's 500 parts per million. But apparently there's still just enough time to solicit comments, provided you share their view that, quote, the warmer it gets, the greater the risk for more severe changes to the Earth and the Earth's system, end quote. So, if you thought they were soliciting comments because they wanted to know what you think, well, it's not that kind of document. But it is this kind, quote, Further, climate change raises environmental justice concerns because it will disproportionately and adversely affect human health and the environment in some communities, including communities of color, low-income communities, and tribal nations and indigenous communities. What? What happened to women and children communities? Did these bureaucrats drop their buzzword bingo sheet into the rising, boiling seas? And, in case you're wondering where they got their information, they reference another document from some other bureaucrats at the EPA that says, quote, climate change is happening, end quote. So that part is settled along with, quote, dangerous shifts in climate and weather, end quote. Never mind those deniers at the IPCC saying we haven't seen such effects yet, but they might hit someday. It also says, quote, elevated concentrations of carbon dioxide will persist in the atmosphere for hundreds or thousands of years, so the earth will continue to warm in the coming decades. The warmer it gets, the greater the risk for more severe changes to the climate and the earth's system, end quote. And if you're thinking you've heard that one somewhere before, yes, apparently somebody in the government can cut and paste. Good for them. Anyway, they promised to study how everything connects to everything else, because the National Environmental Protection Act, quote, requires agencies to consider the reasonably foreseeable direct and indirect effects of their proposed actions and reasonable alternatives, as well as the no action alternative, end quote. And they also pledged that, quote, all comments received will be posted without change to https www.regulations.gov, including any personal information provided, end quote. Posted as received? Yeesh, have they never read a Twitter feed? In any case, feel free to fax them, though email is not allowed, to correct their boilerplate statement, quote, rising GHG levels are causing corresponding increases in average global temperatures and in the frequency and severity of natural disasters, including storms, flooding, and wildfires, end quote. Doubtless, they're itching to hear it. In the newsletter, we also observe that everybody knows, or once knew, about the poor little rich kid whose family's affluence spoiled them despite their parents' best efforts. But what about an entire society? It's a question Jude Clementi raises in Forbes about, quote, the overprivileged West's delusion of transitioning away from oil, end quote. And it's an excellent question. Are we so spoiled by the affluence capitalism has bestowed on us, including by its spectacular development of hydrocarbon energy, that we've completely forgotten where wealth comes from and thinks we can trash our inheritance and the trust fund money will just keep flowing in? Sure seems that way. In the newsletter, we also continue our fact check of Al Gore's infamous rant in Davos, turning to his claim that CO2 is, quote, sucking the moisture out of the land and creating the droughts, end quote. The droughts, he says but what of the IPCC, supposed lodestar of climate science? Regarding droughts due to deficient precipitation, they report, quote, Global studies generally show no significant trends in derived drought frequency and severity data with very few regional exceptions, end quote. In their online atlas, they summarize evidence from around the world since 1950 in agricultural droughts, that's one's due to dry soil. In most of the world, they say there is no trend or none connected to CO2, though they claim that in Southern Europe and the Western U.S., there is evidence of such a connection. Except the IPCC report, as Roger Pilkey Jr. reports, also says that the confidence in these claims is only medium, which still sounds pretty impressive until you discover that in their terminology, medium means 50-50. A coin toss. And elsewhere, even in Europe, they insist that there is no evidence of trends and droughts, so Al Gore should just dry up. In the newsletter, we also bring you some rank heresy, courtesy of plant physiologist Dr. Jeff Schussler. In January, he told the Ontario Agricultural Conference that global warming has yielded quote, particularly pleasant weather, end quote, for North American crops since 1970. Indeed quote, for decades, the farmers of Canada and the U.S. have enjoyed ever increasing yields and a lot of that extra bounty is due to a slight increase in global warming and extra sunshine, end quote. Amazingly, it seems that longer growing seasons extra sunlight and more plant food in the air, plus improved seeds, have led to a boom in corn, soybean and other crop yields, even as alarmists claim that global warming is killing the food. The extra CO2 is especially helpful because it lets plants lose less water while taking in enough CO2, which makes them more drought tolerant. And Schussler notes, the good times are just getting started. Though not possibly for anyone who talks this way in politics or a university climate department. Still, if you're a plant, listen up, because from the CO2Science.org archive, we bring a study that investigates claims that, quote, looming water scarcity and climate change pose big challenges for China's food security, end quote, but says actually more CO2 will be good news for plants that are short of water. Again. For the Climate Discussion Nexus, I'm John Robson, and they can fact check me anytime.